The Beaux-Arts Photography Podcast with Alan and Natalie Brio. Hi, and welcome to the Beaux-Arts Photography Podcast. Today, Natalie and I are going to talk about the new Adjustment Layers Mastery Workshop on DVD. This is the fourth Mastery Workshop on DVD that we produce, and this time it is focused on a very specific aspect of image optimization, and that is the use of layers in Photoshop. And Natalie has just completed the review of the DVD, and uh, you have some certain things to say about it. You have some comments that you wanted to mention. Oh, yes. I don't work in Photoshop, but I reviewed all of the 30 movies, the videos, and listened to the audio files on the Adjustment Layers Mastery Workshop on DVD, and I was really impressed. I now, <laughs> I couldn't believe it after watching the videos, I can set a black point, a white point, a neutral point. I can go into selective color on my own, adjust the colors, look at each color, and adjust them. I just uh, love the way that you go through it step by step. I felt that this DVD empowered me to use the layers in Photoshop and not to be intimidated by all of the options that you have. I also like the way that you show uh, how to use these functions with one of your own images, and then afterwards you show us compositions of you know that same day that you had also taken and you talk about the composition and why you did not select like a couple of those other images why you had selected this one so as far as the composition and just learning how to use layers it's a very enjoyable mastery workshop on dvd i really like it well thank you that's great um you know like i said i always like compliments and uh, the, the thing about that particular DVD is that I recorded it differently than the previous ones. Instead of focusing on everything in image optimization, I focused only on one specific area, which is the adjustment layers. And the reason why I did that now and not before is several fold. The first one is that layers over the years have been greatly improved in Photoshop. And there's many more functions now than we ever had before. I counted 149 different functions in the layers palette alone, and I may have missed a few. The total count is obviously not that important, but it definitely is a lot of functions. And, uh, you know, we don't need to use them all, but we need to know that they exist, and we need to know what they are used for, because those that we need to use, they are buried in there, and you need to go and find them. And over the years, my workflow has focused more and more on layers. And so what I'm doing on a DVD is really explaining everything that I do about layers and not explaining everything that I do for image optimization as a whole, because that's what I did in the printing mastery workshop on DVD. So one of the things that I do is I go slower. And I think that's really what helped the it learning. It helps a lot. I mean, you really go through it step by step and even if you're not using certain functions you still explain the possibilities of what they can do which i found very informative because if it's something that i want to use later down the line you know you've kind of covered you know what the uses are right well even if you don't use everything you need to know what's available yes and, and that's the reasoning behind it because i may not use it but somebody might want to use it. And then again, I might not use it today, but I might use it in the future. So I think that one of the things we find out with image processing today is that it becomes so complex 
that it's very tempting to just use what you figure out on your own. And I think me included, you know, we all are victim of that. You know, we start the software. We don't want to read the manuals that have become more and more complicated, longer and longer, extremely boring. You know, manuals are not fun because they are not written by people who use the software. They are written by people who design the software. <laughs> and they are interested in the functions. They are not interested in the creative aspects of the functions. Right. You know, they just go one, two, three, four, you know, and they give the same amount of time to mundane functions as to important functions. That is, you know, a manual writer, and not to say anything bad with manual writing, but that's just the nature of writing a manual. Let's say we write a manual for an answering machine. We're going to give a very step-by-step -step explanation of how to plug in the machine, how to turn it on, how to set all the functions. And then we're going to give a little bit of amount of time on how to record a message. The user of the machine is much more interested in the kind of message that we're going to re record. And when it comes to Photoshop, it's much more interesting to learn how to create an interesting photograph than it is how to find this filter in that, uh, you know, menu options and so on. And so I focus on everything that's available, but with the end product being the creation of a great photograph. That, that's the whole thing. We are not just learning how to use the software, we are learning how to use the software in order to create fantastic photographs. And I think that that's the main difference to me in uh, respect to what I create as tutorials. Well, I really liked the videos. There was one in particular where you actually demonstrated how uh, color can change a composition as well as contrast in one of your images and how contrast and color can create depth. And that was a very interesting video. I think it was around the um, it was around the wash and arches. I can't remember. Yeah, courthouse wash. Yes, courthouse wash. That was the video for that. And that was very interesting because you talk about that in your book, you know, composing with color, composing with contrast. And also watching the uh, videos, I learned how important it is what you call a layer stack, you know, that you have a certain workflow that you need to follow and that pixels need to be at the bottom and then... Um, you know, you, want, you may want to explain it better than I can and how you have to do them in the proper order because if you change a sequence, it could affect a layer below it Yeah, well, there is or a, specific, a mask right. below it. There's a specific order that you have to stack the layers. Yes. And you put certain layers at the bottom, certain layers at the top, certain layers at the middle, you know, on and on and on. I mean, I go over all of that on the DVD and it's, you know, too complicated and too long to explain here. But... If you don't follow that order, a number of things can happen. The first one is you, you can create layers that just won't have any effect or they'll have the wrong effect because they're located at the wrong spot in the layer stack. The second one is if you misorganize your layers and then later on reorganize it, you're going to change everything. Yeah, because I, yeah. you cannot reorganize a layer stack later on. It has to be organized as you create it. And that's what I liked about the videos, because it was like in real time. So mm. when you change the order of your stack right. on some of your newer images, you know, before you had really started concentrating on your layer stack, and you said, you know, if I put this now, the black point or the white point above this, mm. it totally changed the image. And yeah. uh, I found that fascinating, because it's in real time, you can see it. Right, and the interesting aspect of the DVD is that it's not about presenting perfect photographs, uh, you know, for all the examples. It's about presenting 
an evolution of my workflow also. And so when I start, you know, the DVD covers photograph created pretty much all in 2009, but over the whole year. So over one year span of time. And over that one year, my workflow has evolved and changed quite a bit. You know, that gives you an idea also of how fast this is changing. That if you're still using a workflow that's three years old, you're completely outclassed by now because things have changed. Things change extremely fast in digital photography. And over one year, over the, the year 2009, my workflow evolved extremely seriously. And what I show on the DVD is older photographs, so beginning of 2009, and then newer photographs, which are end of 2009, and the differences in the organization of the layer style. And also showing that some of these early photographs, early 2009, that is not early period, but early in the year 2009, had layer styles that were not organized the way I've organized them now and how I can't change it. Because if I go back and I reorganize the style the way I would do it now, today, I'm changing the colors, I'm changing the contrast, I'm changing the density, and everything is wrong. Or you're undoing something that you did previously. Right. Or Yeah, there is no going back. It doesn't mean that they don't work. It means that right now, I no longer do that. And so it provides to the viewer of the DVD, to the student of the DVD, you know, not only one workflow, but actually a bunch of different workflows, of which one is the one that I recommend, which is the most recent one. But also, it provides the opportunity of comparing that workflow to previous workflows. But there's more than one way to do this. However, there's one way that's perfect, and there's other ways that are not so perfect. And then, of course, there's some ways that are completely wrong. So it's, it's an interesting learning experience because you go through this in, you know, in a real-life situation. And that's one of the things that I reproach to manuals in general. And again, not to say anything bad about manual, but just to point to things that I personally don't like a whole lot. A manual is not a real-life situation. It's an idealized situation where you present the exact way to achieve a particular goal. My tutorial is a real-life situation where I make mistakes, I correct them, I try different things, they work or they don't work, and I keep looking for the right approach, the final goal being, you know. Well, I also think that your goal is to create a fine art image, and in a manual, sometimes they just take pictures that are just easy, you know, and accessible, you know, to show a demonstration, and it may not be something that you would would even photograph in the first place. Well, manual photographs, you know, I mean, let's, let's be more specific than that. Photographs used as example in manuals on Photoshop or in tutorials on Photoshop are very rarely exhibited, if ever. They are not museum or gallery photographs. Right. They are example photographs. My photographs in the Adjustment Layers Mastery on DVD is or are old photographs that are exhibited, that, shown in galleries, and sold as fine art prints. And that we sell. And that we sell. They are not created for the purpose of an example. They are created for the purpose of creating a fine art photographs. And then, after I had created them, I thought, you know, it'd be interesting to create a DVD on adjustment layers, because that's really something that's really important to my workflow and completely new, something that I did not do before. And then I thought, well, what kind of examples can I use? And I thought, well, I'm just going to use all of the fine art photographs that I created in 2009. And it came to about 30 of them, and that's why there is 30 master files on the DVD. Right. Uh, you know, 2009 was a good year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It, well, you know, the Eastern Sierra workshop, I know that you got some really nice images from there last year. There right. was a number of workshops where, you know, the light was just incredible. You know, we had some right. active weather and 
And, um, and, and so that's one of the other unique aspects of the DVD. The adjustment layers are separated, I think, in nine different geographical areas. Yes, they are. Each area being one area that we visit during workshops on a regular basis. That is, we offer workshops to other areas, but as chose areas that we go to on a regular basis. And there is anywhere from three to five photographs, I think, per section of three to four photographs. Mm-hmm giving you enough of a range of different situations to be able to work on photographs from that particular area instead of having all the photographs from one area or all the photographs from all over the place. Right. And what I found fascinating, (laughs) which really surprised me, were your images from the slot canyons and how little you actually worked on them. I mean, you set a black point, a white point, and maybe one other thing, and boom, that image right. was done. And when when you see the original raw file or mm. the background layer, mm. the way that it, you know, right. it naturally came at, from the raw file, and you compare that with what you did at the end, there's not a whole lot of change. You know, the purples are still there, the the oranges and the yellows are still mm. there, and I was like, wow, Antelope Canyon, that didn't uh, take you very long to do. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I no, was yeah, like, wow, yeah. and then some of them, mm. you have so many layers, it's like, oh my. <laughs> right. Well, you know, it's interesting because Antelope Canyon, people think that those are the images that give the most trouble, you know, to optimize. Exactly. But the fact is that it's all about how you capture the image when you're there, the kind of light that you capture. If you capture the proper light, there's actually very little to do. But on the other hand, what you do is very important. You have to do it right. Yeah. I mean, believe me, before I know what I know now and what I show on the DVD, I was all over the map with Antelope Canyon photographs. I mean, I had no idea what to do. I mean, I would come to one of those after I took it in the field and I would try and try and try and try and you know, it's just a very lengthy and <laughs> painful process. And eventually I realized that in some instances, not always, but in some instances, and again, not for all Antelope Canyon photographs, or not for all Slot Canyon photographs, but for some of them, less is more. That is, the less you do, the better off you are. Because the colors are already so strange that if you push them, you're going to end up having something totally unbelievable, totally mm-hmm. unrealistic. On the other hand, some photographs require a very large number of layers. And I think if we were to look at the least to the most amount of layers, we would go from maybe four to maybe 20. Like something like that, yeah. I think the least, the very least would be four, four or five. I think so. Yeah. I think the least at the is most, there's really no limit, but I think usually 20. But some of those layers go fairly fast, you know, setting a white point, setting right. a black point. Those are layers that you can do fairly fast. Right. Uh, when it comes, you know, going into selective color and looking at all of the different mm-hmm. color channels, right. you know, that may take a little bit of more time. Um you know, doing local color or global color and masking. Right. Yeah, you can do you good know. work and not take forever. Yes. You know, the purpose yes. of the whole tutorial is not to make this more complicated than it is. It's to make it as simple as it is. Right. You know, sometimes you can create a photograph and optimize it and be done within, you know, an hour. Sometimes it's going to take weeks and months. Not that you're going to stay at your computer for that long, but that you need the reflection time. That is, you're going to work a few hours and then get to a dead end. You don't know what to do. You don't know how to proceed. And you need to let it, you know, simmer, so to speak, you know, and let it rest and then come back to it later on. 
The whole idea here is that we are not trying to do a cookie-cutter approach. That's the whole idea. There is a foundation that's technical, and that foundation is going to be pretty much similar to all the photographs. But then after that technical foundation, you go into an artistic expression area. You know, and we talked about layer order, and at the bottom of the layer stack are all the technical layers. Right. And then after that are the creative layers, and then after that you will have the sharpening layers, and then the uh, soft-proofing layers, and finally the proofing layers, and finally you're done, right? And it's the creative layers that are problematic. Because once you have the technical foundation, you really don't have all that much. You have something that would print right, provided you proof it, but it wouldn't be any expression of your personality. Mm -hmm. And, you know, for most people, this is the interesting thing, and this is where my work differs from a lot of people's work, and probably because my goals are different. I'm not that concerned, or I'm not that happy, because I've achieved technical perfection in the image. It's technically good. That's good. That doesn't mean that the image is interesting. I have this artistic expression level that comes next. And that's where I'm going to put a lot of my work. I can complete, basically, at this point, the technical aspect of a photograph within a few minutes. Because it's very much an automatic approach. Mm -hmm. I mean, you have to optimize each photograph individually because the settings are never the same. So you can't really create an action because you would not be able to adjust for that particular photograph. You know, there's nothing that can be automatized. But if you know what you're doing and you've done it many times, you can do it within 10, 15 minutes. Right. But I also think that if you had actions on this Mastery Workshop on DVD, that doesn't necessarily teach us the steps. No. You know, right. to, to doing no, that action. And you you so. can't create an action because you have to find this black point, this white point, specifically photograph per photograph. Well, I think there's that's, just no way. You know. I think that's yeah. where uh, quantity comes in versus right. quality. You know, if you want to just, you know, I know the big thing now is for everybody to do everything in Lightroom, do it as fast as they possibly can, well, and I, then print I, yeah. it. I mean, I would, I would correct that. I would say for everybody except fine art photographers. Exactly. Because I don't know of anybody that has as a goal to create a fine art photograph that's doing everything in Lightroom. That's it, true. it just isn't possible. We don't have access to the layers. <laughs> you know. Now, if, if Lightroom gives us all of the layers we have in Photoshop, we probably can do it in Lightroom, but at that point, it wouldn't be Lightroom, it'd be Photoshop, right? <laughs> you know, but it's, Lightroom would have become as good as Photoshop, right? But there's also the archival quality of it that's very important that I learned on the DVD, and that is that Photoshop layers, you know, as future printers come out and stuff, you don't have to rework and redo those files all over again like you would if you did all of your work in, for example, Lightroom. You know, the archival... Uh, quality of those files, you know, and man, that's a big plus. I would hate to have to go back years later and try to redo everything and, again. And the thing is, you can't. Because yeah. on the DVD, one of the things that I wanted to do at first, like when I first conceived of the idea for this tutorial, I thought, you know, I'm just going to go back, convert the photograph the way I originally did it, import it in Photoshop and recreate all the layers from scratch live. Right. That was my idea. And I tried that, you know, without recording anything, just as a test. And what I realized is that I was getting to a different result. It's difficult. Uh, it's impossible. It's not yeah. just difficult. It's, it, actually, the difficulty is not that great because I have the blueprint. Right. I can recreate the exact same layers looking at the previous master file. Right. But the fact is that even though I was trying to be dead on doing exactly what I had done before, the small variations that are almost impossible to prevent were enough to create a different outcome. Right. And 
it wasn't any better or worse. It was different, but it wasn't the same. And, you know, I've come to like the versions that I have. So I decided that I wasn't going to do that. Instead, I was going to go back to the master file that I used to make my prints and then explain what each layer does and how I created each layer. <laughs> so I, I sort of reverse engineer as opposed to recreate from scratch. You can't recreate from scratch. Right. On a few occasions, I've had files that I've lost. You know, I, I just lost the file and I had to recreate it. And it's a tremendously problematic situation because you can't create the exact same one you had, you know. I know when we first started selling at the Grand Canyon, I remember you would print like Yavapai Dusk, and your concern was, is, oh God, you know, when I sell out of this, I just hope I can reprint it and it looks like it did before. I mean, right. I know that was an amount of stress for you. Yeah, but that was because at the time I did not have the layers. I did right. not have the ability to modify layers. And so, you know, one of the beauty of layers, as you explained before, is that we know that next year or the year after or you know definitely at some point in the future we know that for a fact we are going to have different printers we also know we're going to have different software and we're going to have different papers so we're going to have different profiles we're going to have different calibrations probably have different inks right i mean it's safe to say that if we go let's say five years in the future right but to be safe let's say 10 years into the future at that point that is in 2020 we won't be using any of the hardware and software we're using now. Right. Probably won't be using any of the papers we're using now or any even of the inks we're using right now. Everything is going to be different. I mean, think back 10 years from now. I wasn't using anything that I'm using now. So 10 years in the future will be exactly the same. However, if you have a best-selling photograph or if you have a photograph that has come to be known as you know, one of your trademarks, you're going to continue to print that photograph. And you're going to continue to want to print it the way it's printing right now. Because if your customers like it, if your audience likes it, why would you change it? Right. I mean, unless, you know, your expression changes and you want to say something different. Otherwise, you want to print it the same. Right. How are you going to achieve that? You know, and, and can you achieve it quickly? Because that's another issue. Let's say you don't have one, but like us, you have hundreds, right? And you now have everything has changed. You know, ink, printer, paper, software, hardware. And we want to continue printing these hundreds of photographs the same as we print them now. How long are we going to spend trying to adjust everything again? I mean, that can really ruin a business or even a career. Because right. you might spend weeks, if not months, trying to match the two and not even know if you're going to be able to or not. But if you have layers, all you have to do is create an adjustment layer and you're done. Right. And that's the thing that puzzles me. And that's why I say that nobody that creates fine art works just in Lightroom, regardless of whatever people might think or say. Because whoever has portfolios of images out there that are either for sale or exhibited or shown or available in one way or another for other people to see, would want to spend that time you know, or waste that time to readjust everything because part of their system has changed. Right. When they know that all they have to do if they use layers is, is create a layer, and very often you don't even have to create a layer. All you have to do is modify one of the layers so that you fine-tune the photo for that particular change, whatever it might be. You know, more contrast, less contrast, more of one color or less of one color. Because we know what the changes are going to be. The changes, regardless of whatever the manufacturers can come up with, the changes are going to be one of three things. <laughs> and we know that. I can see the future. The changes are going to affect the three variables of color. They are going to affect saturation, lightness or darkness, or color gamut. That's it. They, they can't affect anything else because there is no fourth variable. There's only three. <laughs> you know, color is defined by lightness, darkness, 
saturation and color gamut. Mm -hmm. So whatever happens to software, hardware, paper, inks, I mean, you name it, is going to affect one of these three things. Right. Now, it could affect all three things, but it's not going to affect more than that. So all we have to have is a system that allows us to correct those three things. And that's it. <laughs> you know, like they say, you will have to modify one of these three layers, color, saturation, color, lightness or darkness, or color, you, you know, color gamut. And that's exactly what we do. We create layers to control these three things. And if they change, all we have to do is modify these three layers and we're done. Mm -hmm. And it's really mind-boggling when you think about how easy it is. However, if you don't have the layer system in place, it's mind-boggling how complicated it is. Oh, definitely. <laughs> you know. And that's where I think um, some people are looking for that magic bullet. Right. But well, they're looking know. for the magic bullet. Some people are looking for the magic bullet, regardless of what activity they're in. Mm -hmm. You know, they are magic bullet seekers. There is no magic bullet. Well, for me, yeah. Yeah. the magic bullet is layers. Is, is layers. <laughs> yeah. you know? But it's not a magic bullet. You have to learn it. Well, I, I think that the theory behind, or the premise behind the magic bullet uh, theory is that somehow you don't have to do anything. No. Something is going to do it for you, right? Well, for me, yeah. you know, layers is it. Yeah, sure. You know, yeah. because... And when you study the work of people that are out there creating fine art, and I really always want to go back to that and drive this home, you look at the work of people that are creating fine art for the purpose of exhibiting and selling, they all use layers. They know what I just described. They're not stupid. Right. They're not going to bang their career on a raw file that they converted. What if the converter doesn't exist anymore? <laughs> you know, I mean, what I <laughs> it'd be absurd. You know? There was um, one video of Mesa Arch that you photographed at sunrise, and there was one area that wasn't sharp. You know, mm -hmm. and I don't know if it was because of the way the sun was hitting it or. It's because it's a collage. It's a collage of. Uh, because Miss Archie is so wide, I did a collage of three photographs. Oh, is that and what it I'm was? And when I collage of three photographs, somehow one area on the arch did not come out sharp. But what's really interesting yeah. is that you showed how to get that detail in the rock back mm -hmm. out. It's yeah. like it was at, almost like out of focus in this right. one little section, right. and you were able to get the sharpness back and get the... Yeah. And I really like that. And then what happened is um, a workshop participant on the same workshop mm -hmm. put that image on their website... And he must have also done a collage because I saw the same exact area where his was out of focus. Yes, yeah, and I looked at it and I thought, well, well that's an easy fix because right. I saw in the layers, you know, right. how you can fix that little area. And I thought, oh, that's something that, you know, right. you can fix. Well, but he did not know the technique. Yeah, and I came upon that technique interestingly enough because not of that photograph, but because of another photograph where I worked extremely fast and somehow. As I was moving my camera around, I put my thumb on the lens and I, and I left oh. a big smudge. And your skin is oily, you know, so you have a little right. bit of grease on the lens. And what it does is it creates a very soft focus area. And that photograph worked. I mean, that was a good photograph, except that it had this blurry area in the middle where right. I put my finger on the lens. And normally I would do a check, you know, I would look at the lens, clean it up and, and check. But it, I worked so fast, I did not have time to check that. So then you're left with a photograph that's useless unless you can fix that. And I basically designed a specific technique to get rid of that. And it's in incredibly effective. I mean, you can literally make the photo look as if that smudge was never there. Right. You know, by getting rid of, uh, you know, that blurry area. 
and of course through layers and, and you have to create se several layers because you cannot do it all at once it has to be a progressive you know you know because you know the smudge tends to be more blurry in the middle so you right. have to progressively narrow the area that you're working on and i think you yeah. uh said that I don't know if it was on the video or not, that like maybe a water drop or something too, you would be able you to can also, do that. The water drops are more problematic, but you can you cannot get rid of them as well as a smudge, but you can do quite a bit mm. yeah, using the same technique. Yeah. Because all of these things create blur. Mm -hmm. you know? And you can't do it by cloning, because it's an area that's big enough that if you clone, it's going to be obviously the next area and it's going to be visible. Uh, so you can't do it that way. So you you can do an amazing amount of things, yeah. Right. Well, after going through this whole DVD, I realized that if you have a good uh, knowledge of the layers and how to use the layers and have a good handle on it, you know, then you're pretty much all set for Photoshop. I mean, that's what it seems like to me. I don't know if that's oversimplifying it or not. It, it has come to the point where most of what I do in Photoshop is basically layers. And that's why I created that DVD. It did not used to be. But layers have improved so much that we can now do almost everything on layers. Not everything, but we can create different types of layers for film for things that don't exist as adjustment layers. That is, we can sort of trick Photoshop into doing things on layer, even though it doesn't offer that possibility. Yeah, I mean, there is a few other things that you need in Photoshop, but the majority of my work is on layers. Mm -hmm. Well, I really like the DVD. I like the little stories that you tell about the mm -hmm. images or Navajo land, you know, the places that we go to and then show. I know on the San Juan River, you were uh, working on an image in one of the videos. And then at the end, you showed other river images of reflections right. of the San Juan River. And then you talked about, you know, the Dianism, you know, that discomposition composition is very dynamic and this one has kind of doesn't have that dynamism as right. this one does and you start comparing we can see all four compositions and it's really nice to be able to do that and also the fact that <laughs> which i'm still amazed that you do is show show how you uh create these images because we saw them <laughs> So for me, it's it's really interesting that you show, you know, the master files of these images, because I don't think any other artist does that. I, I think that there is a sort of shyness out there, or, or people have concerns about showing uh, their master files. I really don't know. All I know is I'm definitely... To my knowledge, we only want to make my master files available. And I don't select the ones that I make available because they are good enough to make available. I select them because the photograph is interesting. That is, I don't select them because they are complicated, simple, or, or any sort of uh, criteria like that. I just select photographs that are interesting, right. you know, that I normally sell. That is, I would not sell uh, or offer a master file of a photograph that I don't sell, for example. Just for an example, that's not the idea. The, the whole idea is to create a real-life situation, but we are going to learn how to do this, not with examples, but with photographs that are out there in our gallery and uh, available as prints, basically. Mm -hmm. you know, that, and there was the one that you were working on in Zion. I think it was the black and white one of the lone the tree. tree yeah. yeah, And you worked on that, uh, and I liked it. But then, you know, at the end of the, your video, you said that, you know, you... 
you still weren't a hundred percent satisfied with it, you know, that there were some you know, some things that you know. Yeah, there's a couple of photographs that are on the DVD that I optimized, uh, you know, to the best of my abilities. I mean, I consider them finished. I think one of them I don't consider totally finished. Right. But there's a couple of them that I haven't decided whether I want to offer them for sale or not. Right. But that's a normal part of the process, and again, that's what I consider to be part of real life situation. Right. Because you kind of you're sorting through it as you're well, going and they're still, you know, all created in 2009. So some of them are as old as three months ago, right? right. <laughs> well, now, some are just from December. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so a month and a half, two months ago, because yeah. now we're in February 2010. Right. The thing that is really an important aspect of this DVD and of all the DVDs that I offer, all the tutorials that I offer, all the classes that I teach, is that when somebody wants to go to reaching the highest level of quality in their work. There is a very interesting point, you know, during that process where we realize that we need to study, not with example, but with real work. Right. That is photographs that were created, not for the purpose of teaching somebody, but for the purpose of achieving the artist's expression, the personal style, the vision, whatever the artist wanted to share with his audience. And then, if we are lucky enough, the artist goes back and says, well, let me explain how and why I created this photograph. And that's what I do in this DVD. And that's really something that's very, very hard to find. And I wish I had that when I studied. The closest we had was examples, you know, the, the Making of 40 Photograph by Ansel Adams, which uh, is a book in which he talks about how he created his photographs. But, you know, I mean, example being what it is, which is a great book, when you look at what it has to offer in terms of describing how the photographs were made was a page of text, okay, sometimes even a half page, which was certainly very insightful and way more than we had anywhere else, but it's still a very, very small percentage of what we can now do with DVDs and movies and audio and raw files and <laughs> master files. I mean, now we can literally have access to everything, you know, through the DVD that I created about a photograph, not just the final photo, and how it was created, but the master file, other versions, like you said, you know, other compositions that are created the same day, the same time. Right, and some just minutes apart, some yeah. 20 minutes apart, yeah. some just a couple of minutes apart. And, and very often people wonder, well, how did you come to that composition? And there's a feeling that somehow you landed on that one right away. It's not always the case. Sometimes it does happen, but it's not always the case. Very often I create a bunch of different photos, and at, at the end of the process, at the end of the shoot, I'm not even sure which one I'm going to use. I'm not even sure if I'm going to use any of them. Well, like yeah. uh, the Death Valley Dawn, you know, it's dark and it's kind of moody, right. and yeah. you've got these blues and these purples. And then, you know, 20 minutes later when the sun comes up, then you have the reflections in the water of the right. mountains, the Panamint Mountain Range. Mm -hmm. And both those images are so different different. And they're but, created 20 minutes apart. But I like them both. Well, in that case, there was no selection possible. They had to be both included because they are so different. They are. But what is also important is that there was another 100 or 200 photos in between those, or I, before and after or in between. Well, I remember we were following the uh, water patterns, yeah. <laughs> just walking, you know, being yeah. careful, you know, where we walked and everything, and, you know. Because I think one of the things I'm trying to do is demystify that whole process, that a lot of people think that somehow because you know what you're doing or you know you're Alan Brio or you know you're 
some well-known photographer, you can just go to a place, land on that composition, take the photo and go home, and then you put it for sale in your gallery. It doesn't work that way. <laughs> we go to locations, we have no idea if we're going to get anything good. No. And sometimes we take hundreds, nothing works, and sometimes we take hundreds and one of them works. Right. But, you know, we never take hundreds and hundreds work. <laughs> and when you get there in the dark, you have no idea yeah, what's right. going to yeah. happen. <laughs> and it's dark and it's muddy and it's cold and it's wet and your camera doesn't work, your battery and dies. And you have a coffee. <laughs> yeah, you have lens, you have smudges on your lens. I mean, you know, we forget all the reality of the real world, which right. is the real world isn't really cooperating all that much. You know, the real world uh, is very often providing problems, you know. But anyway, without all of that, you know, to go back to what I was saying, the idea is to provide a real-life situation where we are not looking at examples that have been created for the purpose of teaching. We are looking at photographs that were created for the purpose of expressing my personal emotional response to the scene and that afterwards I gathered together as a collection of 30 images with the purpose of explaining how I created these photographs so that others can learn from that. Right. So it's a completely different process. Uh, and I very, very rarely, if ever, create photographs for the purpose of example. The only time that I can think of is when I photograph, I think, the reflector, you know, you, you holding the reflector, because I wanted to show how you use a light reflector. And <laughs> yeah. normally you don't photograph the person holding the reflector, you only photograph the thing with the reflected light. Right. So, but otherwise, you know, there's hardly any opportunity for me to do that. I just don't like doing it. Yeah. One of the last things I wanted to touch upon, which uh, I think one of the photographers that ordered the DVD pointed out that, is that the DVD is also based on the concept that image optimization is part of composition. That is, the goal of optimizing the photograph in Photoshop, of optimizing the color, the contrast, the hue, the saturation, all of that, is really an extension of the way I compose the photograph in the field that eventually it's not about how to learn to do that quote-unquote right. It's about learning how to do this so that what you saw in the field is now being emphasized through the process of optimizing the photograph. You know, that is, you're going to see certain colors, you're going to see a certain level of contrast, you're going to see a certain level of brightness or a range of brightness, and you're going to try to recreate that through the optimization process. Right. That, that's basically following Ansel Adams' uh, idea that... Uh, we create uh, pre-visualization, you know, we pre-visualize the image in the field. And even if you don't pre-visualize the image down to the last degree, you want to use optimization to reinforce the way you compose the photograph in the field. And that's where, as you mentioned before, composition becomes an adjustment of the colors and the contrast, which is what I talk about in my book. Right. You know, composing with color, composing with contrast, composing with light. But there's way more you can do in a DVD than you can in a book. I mean, we can't put movies in a book. <laughs> I mean, we can when the books become digital, but as long as they are paper, we can't. So the DVD is an extension of the book. And also an extension of the previous Mastery Workshop on DVD, which was the Composition Mastery Workshop on DVD. Because the two are really designed to work together, you know, because you compose a photograph and then you optimize it. That's the process. Mm -hmm. And then if you sell it, you will have to market it. And that's where the last uh, Mastery Workshop on DVD comes in, the Mastery Marketing Workshop on DVD. And when we taught the seminars, that was the order in yeah. which we did it as Composition, well. Composition, printing, marketing. And, and that's the logical order. Uh, and I like to follow a logical order because it keeps things simple and focused. Oh, definitely. So that uh, concludes it for this uh, 
little conversation on this new mastery workshop on DVD, the Adjustment Layers Mastery Workshop on DVD. And uh, you can go to my site at uh, alanbrio.com or beautiful-landscape.com and uh, look at the DVD. And if you are one of the early ones to place your order, you receive a very significant discount on the cost of the DVD through a special offer that's uh, available on my site right now. So beautiful-landscape.com or Alan Brio, A-L-A-I-N-B-R-I-O-T.com. You also received the 2009 Summit presentations, the audio. Right. Yeah, I always include and, uh, a seminar recording with my workshop on DVDs. And this time I decided to include the Zion 2009 uh, presentations that I gave because they are very related to uh, the issue of, of image optimization and layers. And there's also the handout in PDF form. Yeah, well, there's an enormous amount of material on the DVD. There is uh, 25 hours of audio and video, over 40 PDF files, I think, uh, text files, um, you know, the recordings. I mean, and the whole list is on the site, on the DVD description page. But if you have any questions, please call us at 800-949-7983. And Alan and I can answer your questions. Or 928-252-2466. If the 800 number doesn't work, which it won't uh, work if you call from overseas. Uh, it's only for the U.S. And if you want to place an order, we can uh, take your order over the phone also. Or answer any question about the DVD. And, you know, definitely if you're serious about your work, I strongly recommend looking into this DVD because uh, if you don't use layers... In my estimate, and I don't want to put anybody down, you're not doing fine art. I mean, I really think, and that's one, you know, I wrote the definition of what is fine art photography in an essay that will be upcoming. It hasn't been published yet. And one of the aspects of fine art photography that's included in that definition is that use of layers is an aspect of fine art photography. Because, you know, of the flexibility and because it gives you the ability to upgrade the file for newer hardware and software. Right. You know. You can't sell something if you can't adapt it to the next level of hardware and software. <laughs> you know, what if a customer calls you and says, uh, "I want to have uh, a replacement photograph because you know this one got damaged," and you say, "Well, I'm sorry, but the printer changed, and uh, I can no longer <laughs> create the same image because I cannot no longer print it with the same color and contrast." You have a problem, right? Or what if a photograph sells very well or is very popular and you find out that uh, you can't continue to print it the way it used to be because the printers are changed? Uh, that's a problem. So, you know, it definitely is one of the aspects of fine art photography. So that concludes it for the second time now. <laughs> <laughs> for this presentation on the Adjustment Layers Mastery Workshop on DVD. And we thank you for your patience and for your time, and uh, we'll see you again on the next podcast.